Well, it's kind of hard to believe, but in a few months, Amy and I are going to be celebrating our 15-year anniversary. I think the amazing part is that I know it's coming up and I didn't forget about it. But as I look back at our 15 years of marriage, while there's so many things that make up our story as a couple, one of the main themes that seems to be repeating itself is that we have moved a lot. Like, since we were married, we've lived in six different houses. And that's not even counting the time that we lived with my parents for a week in between houses. And we've got a lot of experience moving around. And we've experienced that when you move from one familiar location to another location, it's not always that easy. In fact, maybe it's just because we're getting old, but the older we get, the more we think about moving to a new place, the less and less easy it seems to be. Because when you're living in one place and you're familiar with it, you know where to go shopping, you know where your doctor is, you've got your dentist, you've got your barber, you've, you've got everything figured out. But then when you move to a new place, it's like you wish you could take all those things with you, but you can't. You're going from an old normal into a new normal, and it's not always an easy thing to do. And that's exactly what we're talking about in this series called Wandering. And better than me explaining it, here's a picture that Pastor Ben used last week to illustrate what this series is about. Right now, we're kind of in between normals as a, as a world. Like, before COVID-19 was our previous normal, and sometime in the future, we're going to get into a new normal. But for now, even as restrictions are lifted... It's like we're trying to navigate this unknown. Like, what will life be like, and when will we get there? So as we navigate in between these two normals, and as we look forward to someday returning to a version of normal, here's what we want to take away from this series. Again, this is what Ben shared last week. The lessons we learn in the wilderness, in this time between normals, can make us stronger when we come out of it. And that's what we want to do this, this series. In fact, we're looking at a specific group of people, the Israelites, who literally wandered for 40 years between normals. And as Ben talked about last week, it was an act of deliverance that brought them out of their old normal, which was not good. But now we're seeing them try to cope with a new idea and a new sense of normal. And it is not easy. And this is what they were going through. They had an old normal in Egypt, in slavery, and God was taking them to a new normal in this land of their own that would be flowing with milk and honey. But the problem is, they spent a long time in, in between. And what we're going to see today is that while they were in between, they didn't have milk and honey. In fact, they didn't have anything. So the phrase that best describes this season, these 40 years of their wandering is God provided. And that's what I'm going to show you today. In their season of wandering, they were worried and they were unsure how they would even eat or drink. And God showed up big time. God provided. And as I thought about this and how it applies to us today, I wrestled with it this week. In fact, there is a text message between me and Pastor Ben where I texted him on, when, I think it was Wednesday morning, and I said, Ben, I don't know what to do with this. Because part of me wrestled with this whole idea of God providing for us. Let me put it this way. So if, if you grew up in church, 
You might have heard this spoken a lot as you were growing up, but the phrase goes like this. It says, don't worry, God will provide. And this is normally trying to comfort people who are going through uncertainty, but the idea is you don't need to worry because God will provide. God will provide. And the more I thought about that this week, the more I wrestled with it because I was thinking about the many people in this world who depend on God, who have faith in God, and yet they're starving to death. I think of people who in their 20s or 30s or 40s or 50s get this illness that can't be cured and there is no providing from God that takes them away from it. And maybe you've felt that tension too. If, if you're a Christian, maybe you've wondered that. Like, I'm asking God to provide me with something good, a, a career, a spouse, food on the table, but he doesn't seem to be providing. And why is that? And so this week, I did a search, looking through promises from God, looking at promises specifically also from Jesus to see what he had to say about God providing for us. And we're going to get back to this at the end, like how it is that God provides, but there's a better word that this has to start with. It's the word that's the name for today's message, and it's a word that we're going to dig into for today. It's called dependence. And this word, perhaps more than any, describes and defines the children of Israel, the Israelites, while they were between Egypt and the promised land. It's not just that God delivered them, but he also set them up to be independence in him. And as we get started, I want to make this quick observation, and you're going to see this brought up throughout the book of Exodus that details this story of the Israelites. In fact, I encourage you this week, go ahead and read through this story on your own, Exodus 14 through the end of the book, and you're going to see this come up over and over and over again. And it's simply this. Last week, we showed you how God gave them deliverance from Egypt, and that was a one-time thing. That was a one-time miracle where God delivered them. But there's something equally important that follows deliverance, and it's this. So see, deliverance is something you experience, but dependence is something you must learn. And as we look at what the Israelites did in the wake of their deliverance, they almost missed out on the dependence that would have kept them Alive, And we're going to see that illustrated here in Exodus chapter 16. So what I'm going to assume for today's message is that you were here for part one, where Ben went through the entire history of the Israelites, like how they became slaves and how God rescued them and delivered them. But long story short, we're going to see how just after they've been delivered, we see them fail to depend on the God who delivered them and what it meant for them. And as we look at their story, here's what I know. This is going to bring up some principles and truths that intersect with your story today. So here's how the story continues. In Exodus chapter 16, in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The, the grumbled against is something we're going to bring up in later weeks. Like they're feeling angry and we're going to talk about anger some other time. But right now they're grumbling. And by the way, as you look at the context, this is a month and a half after they're delivered. And the reason they're grumbling is going to become pretty clear. So the Israelites said to Moses and Aaron, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat 
and ate all the food we wanted. But you, Moses, you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. And as we saw last week, they are exaggerating the truth quite a bit. They were slave laborers in Egypt. I highly doubt that they were sitting around pots of meat all day and they were able to, you know, take this fine choice meat anytime they wanted to. Now, maybe they did. And let's just put this in the best case scenario. Let's say that they're telling the truth and they literally had pots of meat sitting around them that they could feast on any day of the week. It's like you're living at Bourbon Butcher and that's like heaven if you want to think about it. But let's just assume that they're telling the truth. What they're longing for is something that God delivered them from. And just let that sink in for a minute because I think this still happens to me and you to this day. When God delivers you from something, you should not look back at that thing to sustain you anymore. But they would argue the food was fabulous. The food was great in Egypt and now we have nothing. To which Moses replied, I don't have fabulous food, but maybe God can do something miraculous. So here's what the Lord said to Moses after the people complained. He said, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. I will not give you pots of meat, but I will rain down bread from heaven. In fact, here's how it's going to work. He goes on. The people are going to, going to go out each day and gather enough for that day. And this is so important because this is going to carry forward a theme for the rest of this chapter. God says, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. And when all this food miraculously rains down, you are only to gather enough for one day. One day at a time. And the people might respond like, what if this is just a one-time thing? And what if this is the only time it happens? And Moses would reply to the people, you just have to depend on God for tomorrow. If he carries you through today, then you just have to trust and depend on him for tomorrow. So only enough for one day. And by the way, in in this method of only giving them enough for one day, he would do something so much greater than fill them up with warehouses full of food that would last 40 years. God put them in a situation where they would have to lean on him and depend on him every day. And this is what happens with you too. When God gives you deliverance, it should shift you towards dependence. If you find yourself celebrating a deliverance that God has given to you, and that deliverance lets you do your own thing and forget about him, that was not his deliverance. But there's one more detail here in verse 4 I want to bring out, and it goes on like this. It says, in this way, I will test them to see whether they will follow my instructions. This was not about giving them lots and lots of food. This was about drawing them as a people closer to him. He had big plans for them, (laughs) plans that would go well beyond this generation. He had the plans of sending a savior through these people, and he knew what he needed to do to keep them close to him. And here's what they needed to learn, and sometimes what I need to learn, and maybe you too. It's that When God delivers you, it's not like he's releasing you. In fact, throughout the Bible, especially the New Testament, you don't see it like Jesus came to release you and set you free, although to some degree that's true. 
But when God delivers you, it's more of a transfer of ownership, or the biblical word for this is redemption. There's this deliverance, it's a transfer of ownership where God brought you from slavery to something, and he brought you into ownership under his household, in his family. And to prove that this is something that's completely a gift, when you look at the Israelites, he didn't give them commandments before they left Egypt. He didn't go to them in Egypt and say, keep these Ten Commandments and then I'll think about making you my people. No, God delivered them. He purchased them. There's a transfer of ownership. And then he said to reflect this relationship, here are the Ten Commandments that will establish a covenant between us. God's deliverance is a transfer of ownership. And when you realize that, maybe for you it was an addiction that Jesus or God delivered you from. And you know this as well as anyone, that being delivered from addiction does not mean you're just free to do your own thing, but that brings you into a closer relationship with God so that you are even more dependent on him every day. And that's the second thing I hope you remember from today. It's that God's deliverance leads to ongoing dependence. It doesn't set you free to go live your life wildly and however you want, but God's deliverance draws you closer to himself so that you are day by day more and more dependent on him. And here's where you maybe need to pause and just ask the question, have you been delivered from something in your life? Were you delivered from an addiction? Were you delivered from a financial crisis? Were you delivered from something that was, at least it felt, beyond your control to help yourself? And if you're serious, and if you're honest, and if you look back at that deliverance, if it drew, drove you away from God, you look back at that with regret. But if you've experienced a true deliverance from God, and perhaps the biggest is the eternal one that Jesus came to give you, you know that his deliverance always leads to an ongoing dependence on him. And to illustrate it, here's what happened with the Israelites. God made this crazy promise that while they wouldn't have this fabulous food, they would get miraculous food. And here's what happens when it, when it uh, happened. It says, that evening that Moses talked to the people, quail came and covered the camp. So what we don't see, you know, it's kind of between the lines they ate the meat from these quail and that provided them with nourishment. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. And when the dew was gone, so dew was something normal. It was ordinary. In fact, that's how plant life survived in the desert was with this dew. But when the dew was gone, these thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. And this was totally different. This was not what normal dew would do. Uh, it goes on. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? And if you look at the Hebrew, there's actually this word for what is it? Like it's one word. They did not know what it was. Moses said to them, guys, we talked about this. It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. And there's this whole exercise. As you look at the rest of the chapter, uh, verses 15 through 30, it goes into detail about how the people kind of were testing the limits. Like, is it just once a day we can gather this manna? Can we gather enough for twice a day? Or what happens on the Sabbath when we're not supposed to gather any? There's all these different things that they're testing out. But what they keep coming back to is that God isn't just filling them up with lots of food, but God is placing them in a situation where they're dependence has to be on him. Their dependence had to be 
on him. And then finally, when they get this all figured out, it's like they've sorted things through. Verse 31 kind of brings the conclusion to this section. It says, the people of Israel, they called this bread manna. (laughs) And if you have a Bible, there's a little footnote for manna. That's that Hebrew word for what is it? Like they had to make up a word for this new thing God had done. They called the bread manna. It was white like coriander seed, and it tasted like wafers made with honey. Like they couldn't tell you what it was because it was new, but they could tell you what it was like. And I just want to bring up a quick observation from that. When God brings deliverance and when he leads you to dependence, what he can do, there might not be a word for it in your vocabulary. And that's what they realized in this moment. Next verse. The Israelites ate manna 40 years. This wasn't a one-day miracle. This was dependence on God every single day until they came to a land that was settled. They ate manna until they reached the border of Canaan. And I want to apply this real quick to your life because right now, maybe you're experiencing something similar. You remember the normal from before March. You're craving a normal that will hopefully come soon. And in the meantime, there's this gap because the things that fed you and sustained you and nourished you, filled you up, the career, the friendships, the the neighborhood friends, whatever it is, the things that sustained you are not here for the moment. And maybe they'll come back, but maybe they won't. But you have to ask yourself, How is God going to provide for me during this time? Maybe some of you have been praying, God, let me keep my job. God, fill me with friendships that I need. God, help me to bridge this gap. And your prayers might be very specific with what you need. Here's where I'll connect this with what the Israelites went through. The Israelites, as they left Egypt, they were basically begging Moses for pots of meat. But God gave them something better, something that they didn't even have a word for. He gave them what they needed for their life, but it also brought them into a dependence on him. And what if he's doing that for you right now in this season? There might not be a word for what God plans to do. You might be laying out your best prayer requests and your best desires, and your money problems, and your relationship problems, and you're bringing those to God. But what if there's not even a word for the good things that God wants to do? Something you had never even thought of, but something that brings you into dependence on him. And when something like that happens, it is not easily forgotten. And maybe that's the best thing that you can take out of this wandering. Moses recognized this. He saw what God was doing in that moment for the Israelites, and he did not want them to miss it, and neither did God. As much as God wanted them to remember what happened at the Red Sea and the deliverance from Egypt, God also wanted them to remember and see the dependence that would sustain them during this wandering. And so here's where we see the section conclude. Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded. Take an omer, it's not a misprint, it's just a, uh, a measurement. Take an omer of manna and keep it for the generations to come so they can see the bread I gave you to eat in the wilderness when I brought you out of Egypt. Take an omer 
and keep it so that the generations can see, so that they can see what I did for you, so they can see the dependence that you had on me. In other words, Moses said, we, we need to remember, and God said, we need to remember a bigger picture here. This, this isn't about us being sustained in a desert for who knows how many years. This is about telling a story someday to our kids. They're going to ask us about the Red Sea and, and how God delivered us, but they're also going to see this bread. And this bread will be an indication of God's never-ending love and mercy to feed us even when we grumbled against him. And even though there were days we rebelled against him, every day his manna came, this, this thing that we have no word for. It sustained us for what we needed, but it also made us dependent on him. Every day, they would have to tell their kids, we depended on God to show up. Every night, when we laid our head down on the pillow, if they had pillows, they would lay their head down and think to themselves, I'm so thankful God fed me today. I depend on him to show up tomorrow. I need him to show up or else I will have nothing to eat. I will have nothing to sustain me. Every day, we depended on God to show up. And then as the future generations would hear this story, they would hear the conclusion. And God did. God showed up every morning and every evening. He was faithful to his promise, just as he said. And maybe that's the story that you can say someday also. Your kids, your grandkids, your great-grandkids, maybe it's 10 years from now, maybe it's a month from now, people will say to you, what did you do during that 2020 pandemic? What was life like? And while there's different elements to it, maybe the the umbrella that covers the entire story of your 2020 pandemic will simply be to say, I depended on God to show up. Maybe it's financial, maybe it's relational, I'm not sure what it is for you, but whatever it was, you tell them, I depended on God to show up, and he did, he did. Now I want to go back to that first question that we had, that first big issue that brought me all this, you know, um, stress this week. Like, does God provide for us? Because obviously we don't have quail at night. We don't have manna in the morning. Does God still provide for us? And so I went on this search through, throughout the Bible to look for any promise where it says God promises to give you a full stomach or God promises to give you a closet full of clothing. Like, does God make that promise? Well, here's what I found. Jesus taught that you shouldn't just see God as a provider. He pointed to his father as a provider. And throughout the New Testament scriptures, we see every good and gracious gift comes from our father in heaven. Yes, God is our provider. But Jesus says you shouldn't just see God that way. In fact, if you only see him as a provider, something is missing. Here's how Jesus put it in Matthew 6, verse 25. He said, is not life more than food? is not the body more than clothes. We ask God for food, we ask God for clothes, but Jesus says, you're thinking too small. Isn't life more than that? Life isn't food, your body isn't clothing. There is so much more to the life that I have to give. And then later in John chapter six, it's recorded that Jesus said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Our ancestors, thousands of years ago, they had manna every day. That was great. Good for them. But I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. Does God promise that we will never go hungry? Does God promise we'll never be lacking clothing? No, he doesn't promise that. 
In fact, here in Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul acknowledges, what shall separate us from the love of Christ? Trouble or hardship or persecution, famine, hunger, or nakedness, lack of clothing, danger or sword. Paul acknowledges that these things will come up for everyone, even those who depend on God. You may get hungry. You may starve. But Paul points to a bigger picture. Life is so much more than food and clothing. He, he, he says this, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That, my friends, is you. During this season, you might feel starved in one way or another. But I pray that at the end of it all, you can point back to it and say, that was a season that was rough, but I depended on God to show up. And he did. And the reason you can say that with such certainty is because 2,000 years ago, all of mankind was depending on God to show up. And he did. 2,000 years ago, when this baby was born in, in some little town called Bethlehem, where no one was at, their God was keeping his promise to the Israelites that he would give them the bread they needed. And then some 30 years later, as that baby grew up and would eventually be known as Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus, the Son of God, he showed up. He took the sin of the world and he exchanged it with his good favor, his reputation with God. He took our sin. He gave us God's love. God showed up. He showed up 2,000 years ago, and so I know he will show up for you today. And here's where I concluded my search this week. Does God provide? Yes, he provides, but he's so much more than that. God is the provider, but in Jesus, God is also what is provided. God is with us. God loves us. And any gift he gives you, any deliverance he provides for you, it is designed not just to release you into this world to go off your own way, but any deliverance he gives is designed to make you even more dependent and closer to him. So in just a moment, I want to close with a prayer. But in the meantime, I want you to think in your mind about that one thing that you've needed deliverance from. For all of us, there's the one big thing. We've gotten deliverance from death, and that is something to be thankful for. What's the deliverance that you've experienced? Or what's the deliverance that you need? I want you to know that as you pray for God to step in and for God to show up, he will. He shows up to give you forgiveness. He gives you life. And maybe what he plans to do in your life, there's not even a word to describe it. So I'm going to put some words up on the screen, some words of prayer. And as I pray through this, maybe this is something that gives you a context for how to speak to your Father in heaven this week or how to speak to your Savior this week. And in these words, it encapsulates the dependence we have on God, even after he gives us the deliverance that we need. So let's pray. Dear God, I believe you are my provider. I ask you for the things the best way that I can, but I might not have the vocabulary to request what you need to provide. There will be times that I go without what I want, but I believe that with Jesus, I am provided the life that I need. 
I have you, and that is enough. Let the deliverance you gave me in Christ be reflected in my daily dependence of you. Amen.